Farming Programme with Araquit Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate Gransom. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. Have you ever thought of changing from one method of planting to another? We've some thoughts on making that transition today. Go out and buy a shiny new drill if that's, if that's the way you want to farm. Buy it and it can be delivered next week. But that doesn't mean that that's the way that you can and then farm. And actually, if you did, you'd, you'd very much be in trouble. And we'll consider cover crops too. And if you've thought about diversifying your farm, we meet one Lincolnshire farm that's done that successfully with some quirky accommodation. We converted the tower and the outside buildings first, but then the helicopter arrived. We've got a Westland Lynx. Um, followed by a jet stream aeroplane. Plus it's day two of the National Shire Horse Show. We'll hear what's on and get our weekly market reports and the weather for the week to come. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, a week of snow, frost and rain. Spring has definitely sprung. More on that subject and what you can do to mitigate the vagaries of Mother Nature with Sean Sparling in a few minutes. This is Steve Orchard on the Farming Programme on DAB in Lincolnshire, on the Free Links FM app, podcast and smart speaker. Ask it to play the Farming Programme. First today, let's consider making that transition from one way of farming to another. I met Alice Cannon from Hutchinson's at a recent seminar hosted by Savills. Alice, changing from one method to another, it's not an overnight thing, is it? No, it's not. It would be lovely if we could because, you know, that, that's, that's all very new and exciting. And go out and buy a shiny new drill if that's, if that's the way you want to farm. Buy it and it can be delivered next week. But that doesn't mean that that's the way that you can and then farm. And actually, if you did, you'd, you'd very much be in trouble. You'd, you'd find yourself with a yield loss. Your soils would, would decline very quickly. And the process that really you need to be looking at is, is a five-year-plus one. Um, it's a long process. It's an investment in the in the future of your, of your soil and your farm. And you need to be doing certain practices such as cover cropping, organic manures, reducing tillage, especially if you're coming from a, either a full inversion or a, or a deep cultivation point of view from beforehand, before you come to, to a min-till situation. There's a strategy to go through to, to transition into that, your farm into that process. And this is all about looking after the quality of the soil. It is, yeah. So things that you could be doing. Now you need to get the fundamentals right. I mean, you, you don't build a house from roof down, it's foundations up. So get the drainage right. Um, get the any compaction you've got in there, get that spade out. It's the best thing you can do. It's your most valuable tool on farm. Dig the hole, find the compaction. If you've got compaction, get the get the metal out. You, there is no other way of combating that, especially if it's deep. Once you've you've got those foundations correct, the drainage, the compaction, then you can start building organic matter and therefore soil health and uh, in doing so build your your soil structure which will bring resilience to your to your soils and your farm so not only will it help you to transition to a more reduced or minimum tillage uh, practice but it'll also make your farm more uh, resilient to the changing weathers that we've got now whether you believe it's climate change or not we've got more extremes in weather and we as farmers have to deal with that so what's your one top tip for soil health get your spade out uh, it's the first place to start and it's the thing that you will keep coming back to. Know what you've got to begin with. Once you know what you've got, you can begin to manage it. And then that's where you can invest in different strategies, whether you do soil sampling, you know, we do sort of soil scanning and invest in, in consultancy if you need it to help figure out what, what that soil dig is telling you. And no two farms are the same because that would also be easy, wouldn't it? You know, if, if your neighbours are doing something... It, that's working for them, there is absolutely no guarantee that that will work for you. So 
Um, it's a journey that you go on. It's trial and error. Some things will go well and, and some things will go wrong. But it's the important part is learning why something's gone wrong and, and changing your approach accordingly. Um, and like I say, it's, it's, it's not a one month thing. It's, it's a five year thing. OK, you said that cover crops have a part to play in making a transition, but are they a good thing in general? They're a good thing, in my opinion. I did, I've done a lot of work with them for the past eight, nine years. Different soils produce different challenges with them. And again, it's that trial and error. My one sort of big thing that I think people probably should be a take home message is using cereal covers within a cover crop that is then going to be in front of a, a cereal commercial crop, you will end up with problems if you don't manage that correctly. A much safer way is use broadleaf covers before spring barley, spring wheat, for example. So a different cover crop to the cash crop. Diversity is key. So you need at least six species, really, ideally, definitely three, using different rooting types so that you bring diversity into that, that soil. And the heavier the soil, the more diversity you need. So they're the more difficult ones to get cover crop right with. And sort of the trick of the trade is, is diversity and how you terminate those to give you the best water management which is often the problem with with heavy soils yeah because water and air are key to all this as well aren't they yeah your soil is only 50 percent soil and that's your achievement through digging digging holes with spade is to try and assess where your soil's at with that so 50 percent soil 25 percent air and water and optimal five percent organic matter in the mix of that as well that's the ultimate aim really and during the presentations today we talked about topsoil disappearing topsoil the only thing we can do to stop that? Ground cover. So Mother Nature, we're never going to beat her. She always produces ground cover on any bare land that we've got. And that's to protect it. So it's not only protect the soil where it is, but keep the nutrition where it is and manage the water that comes. And cover crops, etc., are sort of our way of, of doing that and achieving that. And things like your SFI and stuff that's coming forward, there's some good incentives there to do that. Thank you, Alice Cannon from Hutchinson's. We'll have more from that seminar hosted by Savills next week when we'll be looking at some of the opportunities arising out of nature-based solutions. Today is day two of the National Shire Horse Show at Newark Showground, an opportunity to see some of these magnificent animals in action. Organiser Victoria Clayton from the Shire Horse Society is with us. Victoria, what can we expect today? So we'll have them shown in hand, the walks around and run up and down in straight lines. We'll also have ridden heavy horses there which is a pretty pretty magnificent sight when when they start trotting and cantering past you the ground shakes um and we'll also have the um the brewery drays on display doing doing competitive classes as well as what we call the agricultural classes where we'll have horses pulling sort of olden day um farming equipment you know from plows to rollers to harrows and all sorts so it's 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 a good good spectrum for everyone to see. And this is not just for, if you like, the experts, for the owners of these horses. It's very much for the public to come along and enjoy the days, isn't it? Absolutely. And this year we're running a special education area for children whereby we will have sort of have a go at, you know, when you when you see the horses with the with the flights in their manes, the bright colours that we plait into the manes. Uh, come and have a go at that on, on not real life horses' heads, um, but horses' heads. We'll have rain handling um, simulators so they can pretend they're driving the drays, learn about the digestion, learn about the, the body of the, the horse, the skeleton. Um, we've really got quite a lot going on. And of course, the main thing is to see the horses, isn't it? And see them in action. It is. 
of course it is. We've got some wonderful um, covered grandstands for people to come and sit in. Plenty of places to watch from indoors as well. We've got vintage tractors. We've got shoemaking, farrier displays. We've got um, medieval knights coming to do a, a display, equestry they're called. So yeah, we've we've got plenty for the whole family to see and do. And on Sunday, children come free if they were the paying adults. Because you talked about the medieval knights and that's a little bit of the history of these big animals, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah, um, which is which is the nice shoehorn link that we have with these guys. Um, these guys do use um, small horses, but yeah, Shires did used to carry knights into battle. A long time ago, before you and I, definitely. Many, 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 <laughs> many moons ago. That's Victoria Clayton, organiser of the National Shire Horse Show, day two today at Newark Showground. Talking of magnificent beasts, time for a walk through the fields and some timely agronomy advice from our crop doctor, Sean Sparling. Morning, Sean. Yes, good morning, Steve. Beautiful creatures, aren't they? Steeped in history, as has just been said. And of course, as a society, we owe them an enormous debt of thanks for us being where we are now. They helped us win victory over oppression during the wars. And they became the original horsepower on the farm, taken over from oxen, of course, as the main source of power to drive the machinery which produced the food for us for many, many decades. The most beautiful animals, too. If you've never seen a shire up close, I can absolutely recommend that being something you should endeavour to do. Gentle giants. And I can tell you, once you've looked a shire in the eye, you never quite see the world the same way again. So, what a week of weather. A drop of rain, minus five frost returns, snizzle, sleet, snow, and days struggling to get above three degrees even in the warmest part of the day soil temperatures have dropped well below four degrees from the high sixes to 10 days ago so we're back to tick over in these crops and those hard frosts that hit in the middle of the week i took minus five on tuesday into wednesday for example any spring barley or spring beans who dared to poke their heads through the ground were in for a bit of a shock now they should be okay but you may well just see a bit of tipping in the cereals and a bit of blackening on those spring beans as a result and also that lull in the spring conditions has unfortunately started to highlight the cappy stem flea beetle and the rape winter stem weevil damage out there. I drove from Boston to Grimsby the other day via various back roads through the wolds thanks to several road closures and the diversion routes that I had to take. And I passed quite a few fields where the viability of the old seed rape in them looks to be in serious doubt to me. As I said last week, patches out there are going really quickly now. But also where you've got fields which simply aren't growing away despite having had nitrogen, get your Stanley knife out and go and slice open the stem. If you can find cabbage stem flea beetle larvae or rape winter stem weevil larvae and their damage in that main stem, it really doesn't look good for those crops. As I say, it all depends upon what the weather does now, and this cold, slow-growing weather is not going to help us at all. Some of the less badly hit pieces of rape may well be covered, but it's impossible to tell which ones will and which ones won't. It does seem, as we said last autumn, that the earlier drilled oilseed rape, then the worse the damage, because they had four or five generations of cabbage stem flea beetle laying their eggs in them. So for me, the stuff that was up to my knees going into Christmas is by far hardest hit. The stuff that's still relatively small less so but to be frank you can't assume anything in all seed rape so get yourself to church after this program and pray if you've got all seed rape in the ground because some of these crops are going to need all the help they can get if you do have to redrill, as some of these fields undoubtedly will need redrilling, then the herbicides that you put on are going to be key that's a very important part of what happens next because 
after propitamide, for example, spring beans are the only spring option that you can plant 10 weeks after application. Cereals have a 30-week interval. And there's no label guidance for AstroCurve. And considering that's got a mean as well, it gets very complicated. So do rink or tether technical or get your advisor to do that before you go out and invest in putting another crop in that field that may fail because of those herbicides. We started to see light leaf spot in the oilseed rape moving during that milder weather of the last seven to ten days or so. But this cold weather will be stopping that from spreading particularly quickly now. But as soon as things warm up again, it's going to be off. So do be prepared to get out there and treat if you have a problem. Any herbicides in rape, by the way, containing clopyrrolid like Shield, Vivendi, Corvetto, Clopic, then just watch what is going to be a very, very short application window once things warm up. Clopyrrolid is okay until the flower buds start to rise above the canopy. It's fine if you can look down into the canopy and see the buds, but once those buds start to lift above the leaves, you're too late. So as I say, be ready to go once those conditions allow, and of course, if you need to. And both oilseed rape and cereals, correcting trace element deficiencies is absolutely crucial this time of year before the spring herbicides start to go on. And in wheat and barley, manganese, magnesium, zinc, copper, all vital from and around growth stage 30. Now we're seeing patches of manganese deficiency in particular now showing, particularly on the lighter soils, and the treatment is very inexpensive and will be gratefully received and rapidly taken in by the crop. Manganese applied just seven days ago has already begun to remedy those issues for me. So get out and have a walk about and treat patches accordingly we're still a week or two away from t0 in the forward bits of wheat even yet so do get the trace elements on as soon as possible rather than waiting until the problem has got too bad to remedy thankfully and a little surprisingly though i have to say i've got no sugar beet in the ground yet it's a good job as well looking at the current weather obviously we now have the derogation approved to go and apply cruise address seed for the control of virus the prediction is 67 and a half percent of the national crop is at risk from virus and aphid flight will begin around the 22nd of april british sugar have sent out a spill kit to every grower polythene sheet and a cable tie well done so 32 month interval remember between planting thymothoxin treated seed and planting a flowering crop and that includes cover crops so if you drill cruise address seed in april 2023 the earliest a flowering crop can be planted is january 2026 you need to keep your records very very carefully and concisely somebody will be found to have got it wrong at some point and they will undoubtedly be made an example of just don't let that be you so this bit of frost snow and rain has just stopped us from doing an awful lot for now when we do start up again it'll be attention to detail which is important so get the spring cereals drilled deep enough and well enough covered if you're using preems like triolate or flufenacet etc and fine seed beds for sugar beet that doesn't mean clods the size of wardy's head the old school approach was to anything put in in the spring but particularly sugar beet was a fine firm onion like seed bed for spring crop the better the seed bed of course the more even the emergence and the better these preems work so you get your money's worth sensible advice but very easy to forget and even easier to ignore so it's still early to be fair the cuckoo's a good two months away so plenty of time for spring cereal and winter clearly hasn't gone away or finished with us yet so let's see what the next seven days bring thanks as ever sean the farming program with our equipped steel stockholders with Umbrook industrial estate grantham supplying the region for over 40 years Many farms have diversified into offering accommodation, but perhaps not in the form that one farm at the old RAF Wainfleet in Lincolnshire has done. I visited last week and met tourism manager Diana Fryer to find out more. 
Diana, it's not very often I get to interview people on farm in a former aircraft control tower, but that's where we're standing at the moment. It gives a fantastic view, I have to say, of the Lincolnshire countryside. You've diversified, or the farm's diversified, in a slightly quirky way. But let's take a step back, if we may. What was the farm before and why the diversification? So we're on veg land here. Diversification's really come about simply because we're now, as you know, losing our subsidies, high energy prices. The world's changing rapidly and all farming is having to diversify. But we were really lucky to be offered this building and then jumped at the chance. We converted the tower and the outside buildings first, but then the helicopter arrived. We've got a Westland Lynx, um, followed by a Jetstream aeroplane. Did you look at any other alternative ways of diversifying apart from accommodation, or was it a case of, this is here, let's make the most of what we've got? It sort of naturally moved on with being offered the RAF tower, but we do have two middle-sized solar arrays as well that we own our potato store at the farm and also here at the RAF tower. Okay, and when did this stop being an active airfield? It was closed down in about 2010. Okay, and it's just sat empty since? Sat empty since. It was a bombing range. Um, The tower stood empty for a couple of years before we started the conversion on it. Okay, it's it's absolutely wonderful here to be able to see the fields from 360 degrees and see the sea and what looked like some shipwrecks. Yeah, those are the original bombing targets. From a business point of view, did you need to take advice? Did you just simply say, well, this is offered, we'll sit down with a spreadsheet and work it out? Or how did you go about the transformation? Will, who owns the farm, I think it it was just an obvious thing. It was offered, it was so unique, it was almost... It would almost be a shame not to take it. We also didn't want it to see go to hands outside of the village. So we're still part of the village community and we still like the village, the people in the village to come and get involved and, you know, we open up the tower every now and again so people can do that. Um, but, yeah, just a case of, of, of spreadsheets at home, working out the finances and just making sure that we could go ahead, really. And how do you actually let the the property because it's not exactly on the way to anywhere you've not got any passing trade so where do you get your business from so we've got our own website but we also sell through booking.com expedia airbnb all of the big major hubs yeah and you find it's working it's worked really well so far (laughs) um the first couple of years the tower itself has been at 100 percent capacity and then something that i haven't mentioned so far is we do have another site (laughs) um, which we have some other quirky accommodation on that as well okay tell me about that um, we have a combine harvester. <laughs> you, hang on. You can stay in a combine harvester. We have a combine harvester and a grain trailer that goes next door to it. Um, so that uh, sleeps four in total. The same site, we've just moved our Mercedes-Benz Unimog ambulance, which has just been converted for two people. That will also sleep four with roof tents eventually. And we have just purchased a Samaritan tank and also a Green Goddess fire engine. And where are they going to be based? On, on the fishing lake, so they're on a different site to the RAF base. The RAF base now, we feel, is complete with the aeroplane and the helicopter. So about a mile away on uh, the side of our little fishing lake, um, that's where everything else is going to be. Okay. If somebody's interested in this, and as I say, it is a bit of a quirky place to stay, but it looks absolutely lovely, where do they go for information? RAFWaynefleet.uk. Lovely. Then a good luck for the new season. Thank you very much.
Time for our weekly look at the market, starting with livestock and from Louth Livestock Market. Good morning, auctioneer Oliver Chapman. Morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth. A busier week across the board, starting with the prime cattle with steers topping at 270 pence per kilo for JNS Brooks of Strubby and £1,658 for JC Scolia Bormba. Heifers top at 284 pence per kilo for CA Motram and Sons or £1,551 for JNS Brooks of Strubby. While prime bulls top at 248 pence per kilo and £1,188 for CA Motram and Sons. Cool cows, just a handful, top at 200 pence per kilo or £1,755 for R. Marshall, with cool bulls to a high of 158 pence per kilo and £1,638 from the same good home. On to the store cattle, tremendous show, tremendous trade. Cows and calves, Outfit top for R. Marshall and Son at £2,250. In Carver's top at £1,280 for Garner and Son. Store Heifers top at £1,470 for Nigel Dickinson. And Steers top at £1,210 from the same good home. That wraps the cattle up and onto the sheep. An increased show and a fantastic trade across the board, probably making us one of the dearer markets this week with the hogs. All in averaging an SQQ in at 250.03 pence per kilo. Top goes to S Hadley at 311 pence per kilo and AJ Colson and Sons at 130 pounds per head with plenty more between the 120 and 130 pound bracket. On to the cool use, very similar number but double the trade with an all in average of 135 pounds and 30 pence and it must be said that this includes grazing use, Jacobs and very very lean use to top for A&N Spillman and 198 pounds of best texels. A huge thank you to everyone that's been and supported this week. Tomorrow we're back on with just prime and cool cattle and all classes of sheep and a quick reminder that on Wednesday the 12th of April we've got a complete farm dispersal on behalf of Messrs Motley at Covenham St Mary so for all details regarding marketing of livestock or equipment please do not hesitate to contact me. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market and thank you. Thanks Oliver and with this week's grain market review and prices Openfield's Kit Dickinson. Morning Kit. Well, good morning, Steve. Prices continue on their downward trajectory into March USDA report, which revealed a 2 million tonne reduction in global ending stocks. Australian production was raised by a million tonnes, Brazil 500,000, and surprisingly 2.5 million metric tonnes in Kazakhstan. Indian production was increased by a million tonne, but was offset by a 1.5 million tonne increase in domestic consumption and a 500,000 decrease in exports, whilst their ending stocks are now 35% lower than last year. Global wheat production increases were offset by an increase in Chinese feed usage from 2020 to 2021 season, which has reduced their ending stocks by the same amount. A sharp decline in EU prices has, however, brought them into the line with the Black Sea, which could result in optional origin sales, for example Algeria, which at the time of sale were based on a Russian execution being switched to the EU. Shipment from the EU, Romania, Bulgaria, Baltic states would be quicker than queuing in the corridor for weeks on end and execution costs, i.e. maritime freight insurance, would be cheaper and would help increase EU exports. UK wheat continues to find export demands to the EU with reports of Ukrainian maize being rejected by millers due to poor quality. Future price direction will continue to be driven by fund activity, ably assisted by the algorithms, when transparency of the fund position is still lacking following a cyber attack. Discussions on extending the corridor are apparently ongoing with a positive outcome expected by many. It is in Turkey and China's interest as importers to keep the corridor open, as well as Ukraine, who rely heavily on the agricultural exports for income. It is less clear, however, how the extension benefits Russia unless sanctions are lifted, which we are being repeatedly told is unlikely. 
So looking at Bali this week, rain in eastern UK has helped relieve the dry spell there and more importantly the French spring barley has received their first rain for some time. These crops were starting to suffer as they still have a large deficit of moisture in the subsoil. Further regular rain will be needed. Global barley supply and demand is mostly unchanged. The 2023 crop is expected to be down slightly as the six major barley regions are forecasted to be down by 5.5 million tonnes. The two largest buyers, China and Saudi Arabia, have been absent from the market for some time, but sooner or later they must have to come back. Oil seed rape continues to drift lower following Matif rapeseed with signs that there is plenty of seed available. The European Commission have published the EU rapeseed imports so far for 22-23 to reach 5.67 million tonnes, compared with the last year at 3.5. A Fry's report did explain how EU rapeseed imports have gone from strength to strength this season thanks to a huge supply from the Ukraine and Australia. Looking at prices this week, feed wheat for April is 205 to 210, June 207 to 212, and August 203 to 211, November 210 to 217. Milling week premiums are currently £60. Feed barley for April 185 to 190, June 187 to 192, August 180 to 185, and November 190 to 195. For specific malting premiums, please do speak to your open field farm business manager. And lastly, all seed rape, April 400 to 405, June 405 to 410, August off the combine 405 to 415, and November 420 to 430. Thank you very much. Thanks, Kit. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Quite a bit of rain forecast this week, starting overnight tonight. It's warmer, though, than lately, with highs of 11 Celsius, winds in the mid-teens from the west and southwest. Monday sees low pressure and brisk winds from the southwest, gusting up to 50 miles per hour, highs of 10 and more rain. Cooler for the middle of the week, the winds easing and veering from west to east. The rain continues and temperatures not much over 4 degrees on Wednesday, perhaps only 2 degrees on Thursday, so expect more nighttime frosts. We've a little bit of progress on the hair coursing front. Two men have become the first to be charged in Lincolnshire under the new hair coursing legislation. They were arrested in the Holbeach area after police received several reports of hair coursing in Gedney and West Pinchbeck last August. Uh, the new legislation came into force last year, making it an offence to go equipped for, search for or pursue hares with dogs and an offence to trespass with intent to search for or pursue hares with dogs. Both these guys will appear at Boston Magistrates Court later this month and thanks to Chief Inspector Steve Williamson, force lead for rural crime for the update. Don't forget to make sure you're listening on DAB Radio, the free Lynx FM app or smart speaker ahead of Lynx FM going all digital from the 3rd of April. If you already listen that way, online or to the podcast, there's no changes, just if you listen on 102.2 FM. That's it for this week. I'm Steve Orchard. Until next week's farming programme, have a great week. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.